0: Is The Talking Dead, a podcast dedicated to the AMC TV show The Walking Dead. Well, hello there, everybody. My name is Chris. And my name is Jason. And this is The Talking Dead number 83 for Monday, July 16th, 2012, even though it's Tuesday. It is Tuesday. It's the 17th today. We were supposed to record yesterday. Uh, Life got in the way and we had to delay by one day. So here we are on the 17th for the week of the 16th. The hottest July 17th in Toronto that has ever happened. Is it
1: just the hottest July seventeenth, or the hottest day ever? Because no, it is, it is damn hot. It is damn hot. It is uh, well here for here thirty six degrees before the humidex, which is uh, for us super 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 hot. I think the uh, the record is thirty eight point two
0: or something like that. Well, either way, that's that's damn hot. It's it's like they say it feels like forty eight outside or something like that. Yeah, <laughs> that is not healthy. No. I was talking to a guy at work today, and he said, and I was saying that even in the, you know, there are very, I think there are very few places in the world that it's this hot on a regular basis. Wow. Even, like, you know, close to the equator or places where it's, like, in the middle of the desert. I don't know.
1: I don't know either, <laughs> but uh, there, there's some hot places where well, it gets, gets super, super hot. But I guess uh, so, but 36 degrees is yeah. hot. It's what is, what is that in hot. Fahrenheit? I don't know look it up uh, 37 degrees celsius to fahrenheit that is 98.6 that's that's it that's how hot human beings are supposed to be it's
0: weird that our bodies are have to be this warm eh because it's certainly
1: not a comfortable temperature to no. walk around in. no but uh, heat detectors couldn't detect humans at this point not outside oh yeah because we all <laughs> we all just blend in we're heat
0: invisible now <laughs> <laughs> wow that's exciting yeah uh what are you going to, you going to go celebrate somehow, rob a bank or something? Hang out in my air-conditioned home <laughs> and just lie
1: down and enjoy it. Lie, lie on, down and enjoy lie it. Lie on the kitchen floor. Where it's the coldest. That's right. No, your basement floor is probably the coldest. Uh, it's pretty cold, actually. Uh, the air, We got the air conditioning cranked and uh, I actually woke up cold this morning. You're contributing to the energy crisis. Uh, yeah. A little bit. Sorry. <laughs> I feel Sorry. a little bad now.
0: Sorry. Well, I have my air conditioner on too. It's just one window unit though. So most of the time I'm too hot. Build a tent around it. That's a good idea. Everybody sleeps in there. Yeah. Open the fridge and build a tent around the open fridge door. Exactly. (laughs) Well, while you're lying on your kitchen floor, Jason, Uh you can celebrate celebrate a lot of things. Two things, in fact. The first being Global Hug Your Kids Day. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. That was yesterday, actually and uh, founded in 2008 global hug your kids day encourages every mother and father around the world to hug their children every day that's nice <laughs> they have one day to encourage you to hug your children every day yeah. it is held each year on the third monday of july and find out more at
1: hugyourkidstoday.com so it's a real thing awesome not like the fake thing we had with the <clears throat> queen lighting her own farts yeah that wasn't a real thing no <laughs> not even a, a little bit
0: real right Uh, Today, though, Hug Your Kids Day was yesterday. Today is Yellow Pigs Day. Is there such thing as a yellow pig? Yellow Pigs Day, held annually on July 17, is a humorous celebration created and observed by mathematicians at Hampshire College. Uh, And the day is marked by exchanging gifts relating to yellow pigs or mathematics, singing yellow pig songs, and playing ultimate frisbee. (laughs) Sounds like a rousing good time. It it really does. I you know, I sounds like I would enjoy all three of those
1: things. I'm surprised they don't list drinking beer on here too though. Yellow Pig Math Days to celebrate the 34th year of the HCSSIM, the Yellow Pig Math Day Conference blah 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 2006. It doesn't include why they call it Yellow Pig Day.
0: Yeah, I'm not sure about that, but it's it's mathematicians, so they don't need a reason. In recognition
1: of the Yellow Pig and the number 17. <laughs> See, it's very important. It doesn't make any sense. The yellow pig is believed to have been ordered. blah, 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 blah. I don't know. Well, pigs must are... Be a mathematical uh, thing.
0: It's probably some sort of unsolvable equation that they call the yellow pig. That's what I'm going
1: to go with. Several mathematicians maintain collections of yellow pigs. <laughs> I used to know someone that collected uh, um, penguins,
0: penguin That's nice. figures and stuff. That's cool didn't invent a whole day for it though.
1: Penguin Day. Yeah, why not? Penguin Penguin Day.
0: Glass Penguin Day. Okay, well happy ground, happy Global Hug Your Kids Day and Yellow Pigs Day to everybody out there. Celebrate in your own way if you choose to. Uh, Before we get into the Walking Dead news this week, of which there is lots because there was Comic-Con and trailers Mm -hmm. and such, I just want to of course remind everyone about our best way to kill a zombie contest. It's running all summer The idea is you post your favorite way to kill a zombie on our Facebook page, or if you are not partaking in the social network known as Facebook, you can email your entries to us, too. Awesome. uh, TalkingDeadPodcast at gmail.com. And the deadline is season three premiere night, which up until now, we've just had to say, "Eh, it's sometime in October.
1: October-ish, around (laughs) there, something like that.
0: Yes. Now we know what it is. We do. But I'll get to it in a second. Oh, okay. Right after we do this. The Walking Dead News Because it is news, after all, and I didn't want to scoop myself by announcing it right there and then doing it again in the news. Uh So, Walking Dead panel happened at San Diego Comic-Con this week. Lots of interesting stuff came out of it. We're going to talk extensively about the trailer that was released, which is a four-minute trailer for season three. That's a lot of minutes. But before we get to that, it is a lot of minutes for a trailer. It is. If they made four-minute trailers for movies, you could show almost the whole movie. It's Luckily, well, you could show all the important parts.
1: Yeah, I mean, you could probably condense most most movies down to four minutes. I think It would make easily. a lot of sense. I think
0: easily. Did you see that guy who conde- took all the footage that they released for the new Spider-Man movie and condensed it into a 20-minute thing? And it was pretty much the whole movie.
1: No, I didn't see that, but I'm going to check that out for sure.
0: Some dude online did that. It was pretty hilarious. Uh, Anyways, so we know the premiere date for Season 3. It is, drumroll, October the 14th, 9 p.m. Eastern on AM. 14th? What day is that? Sunday? That is, of course, Sunday, October 14th. That is the Sunday of New York Comic Con once again. Oh, yeah. Just like last year. So I will be in New York for the premiere I would like to also be in New York for the premiere. I highly recommend it. It was a great time. We should plan this. Well, I'm planning my own trip already, so... Yeah, but I got to get on board. All right. We'll get on board. All right. We're going... I'm going down on Thursday, coming home on Monday, just like last year. It's going to be great. Awesome. You driving? No. Okay. That'd be crazy. Uh, The first eight episodes will run straight through until December 2nd, if my calculations are correct. Right. We will then take a break over the holidays and Super Bowl season And the show will return sometime in February 2013 with the final eight. Awesome. This was the first time I wrote down the year 2013. Mm -hmm. And
1: I don't know, made me feel old (laughs) (laughs) for some reason. I don't don't know why. Well, wait till you write down the the number 2078. Then you'll feel old. (laughs) Then
0: I'll really be old. Yeah. So also the show will premiere internationally on over 120 Fox International markets. Awesome. uh, That week. So, as they've done in past seasons, it's all happening pretty close to simultaneously. Right, but not on the Dish Network. Nope, not on the Dish Network. It will not premiere on the Dish Network. You know what? I I read a thing online, an article someone wrote about this, and they were saying, you know, Mad Men premiered, or Mad Men came back for season five last weekend. Right. And... They speculated the dish isn't really going to miss that that much. Mad Men, the premiere had 2.5 million viewers, I think, mm-hmm. which is great for Mad Men yeah. and is certainly respectable. But they're they're not. Dish isn't going to miss AMC programming until The Walking Dead comes back and it misses out on eight million people watching it. Mm-hmm. So we will see what happens. Again, if you're a Dish subscriber, you know what to do to make your feelings known. Um, but sadly, you won't be able to watch The Walking Dead unless something radical happens and they change their mind.
1: Oh, I don't know if they'll backpedal with all the
0: lawsuits going on and stuff. Yeah, I would be surprised if they backpedal on, on something like that at this point. Yeah. Uh, so anyways, around the world, 120 Fox International markets uh, during that week. So you folks that are not in the US or Canada shouldn't have too long a wait before you get to see Season 3. Mm-hmm. Now, <clears throat> the only other note I have about the panel here before we get into the trailer is that apparently Stephen Yeun stole the heartthrob title from Norman Reedus really? at this panel. Really? A couple of young, possibly prepubescent girls got up to confess their love for him. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> Most of the ladies are all about Norman Reedus. Right. Well, congratulations. Congratulations to Steven Yun for uh, having the young girls, I don't know, desire him. <laughs> Do, doing their thing. Doing their thing. Screaming
1: exactly. and crying and stuff, like they did for the Beatles.
0: Yeah. Apparently, one of them got up to ask a question and you know it was an okay question and I think he asked her a clarification question in response right. and at that point she said I don't care
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's awesome that's what I heard I haven't watched the panel myself but uh that does sound pretty funny she just wanted to talk to him <laughs> which is nice <laughs> That's excellent. uh all righty so let's talk about this trailer okay sure there's a lot to talk about. There is. As I said, it's four minutes long. I think we're just going to kind of recap it, sort of like an episode. Sure. Because there's a lot of stuff in there. I yeah, made it's a it's pretty of notes. dense. So let's just start. And you cut me off whenever you want. Yeah, you're damn right. Yeah, we'll, I will. we'll see where this goes. All right. So it opens with Michonne in the same scene that we saw on Talking Dead from the week before. Right. She busts into a pharmacy, kind of sneaks around. We have a shot of zombies. Then she... Kills them with her sword by stabbing two at once. Yep, straight through the chest, mm-hmm. and then decapitating them with one swipe of the sword. Yep, very very. Two birds cool. with one stone. We see the helicopter. We after do that. finally, so we know what the deal is with the helicopter now, and it attracts the attention of Michonne and Andrea, who are now walking down a rural street somewhere. Right, and you know what I
1: saw in that uh, in that particular shot that I thought was very interesting. What did you see? I saw that the uh, the two zombies on the chains just standing there just standing there they had backpacks on oh yeah that's a great idea they're they're not only protection but they're pack mules pack mules
0: (laughs) exactly (laughs) that's fantastic no it's really good i mean if you have them walking behind you anyways why not
1: make them carry something put a sack on them (laughs) it's a really good idea you know you know having no arms might be a little bit of a hindrance they might fall off but if you you know you if it comes with the little clip in the front on the chest yeah then you got no problems yeah Yeah, exactly the chest clip will keep it on. That's fantastic. I thought s- that was
0: great. Bigger backpacks have a waist one, too, to get the weight on your hips instead of your shoulders. Yeah. Good idea. <laughs> really good idea. That me shown. she knows what she's she doing. She really right. does. <laughs> uh, so it, the helicopter attracts their attention. Um, now, we first see the rest of our group, I guess, still sitting around the same location that we left them at the end of season two. Mm-hmm. And Beth is singing around the campfire. Right. Some, I don't, I didn't know the song, but apparently it's an old traditional song. It's not something she wrote or wrote for the show. Right. Um, <clears throat> and to me, it looked like a bunch of time had passed here. Like it kind of did. they have been there a while because Carl's hair was way longer. Yep. Uh, Carol's hair was a little bit longer. Yep. And Herschel had a big old beard. He, well, it was a goatee, I thought. Right. So they, I guess they have shaving supplies. Right. But he, he had a lot of facial hair. Rick's hair is a little longer too. I didn't really notice Rick's. I he had that. I think his beard was a little more too, but he's That's obviously true. been trimming it a bit. So
1: it's been a few weeks.
0: Yeah, it's been a few weeks at least. Um, maybe even more than that, because later on in the trailer, uh, I think Lori's showing somewhat. Oh. It was it was a distance shot of her and she was kind of coming up. You know, at the back of the group, but I definitely think I saw a baby bump there. Oh, so some time has certainly passed. Um, so Rick and Daryl, I guess from what I got from the trailer, are out scouting and they find the prison. Mm-hmm. They're out scouting or hunting or something like that, and they come across the prison. They come back to the group and it looks like Rick has to convince everyone to leave and go to the prison. He says we're gonna have we're gonna find weapons, food, and medicine. Right, and this is somewhere we can live um we see a bunch of shots of them fighting the walkers to secure the prison so i guess he convinces them to go right i would assume so (laughs) yeah i would assume so um and i think to me it looked like pretty much everybody played a role in this zombie clear out attack Mm -hmm. it looked like they were all there now these are what those still shots we saw a couple of weeks ago were of. yeah i would yeah that looked very similar standing around so meanwhile though the helicopter is crashing and it goes down, and Michonne and Andrea go over to inspect the helicopter crash site, but are discovered by the governor's men, and I guess they get captured, and on the way back to Woodbury, you hear the governor voiceover say, uh, something like, there's two, we found them hiding in the woods. Right,
1: and that was all very blurry, so either they got knocked out, and they were just coming to, or <laughs> drugged somehow. Yeah,
0: I, I don't think they went willingly. no. I don't think.
1: Or they have a, a very kind of a, a sack over their head that uh, dis- distorts the uh, what's going on.
0: Yeah. And we see Andrea wake up in a house, not really knowing where she is. So they definitely got there. Uh, at least she was unconscious. Right. Anyway, so not uh, not going willingly. Michonne asks for their weapons back. And we hear Andrea shout, you can't keep us here. We haven't done anything. So they're clearly being kept against their will. Right. Or at least they feel like they are at that point. Um, Eventually, the governor takes them outside and says, you're not prisoners here, you're guests. Welcome to Woodbury. Mm -hmm. And I loved that scene. I don't know about you, but I thought David Morrissey looked and sounded fantastic. I thought so too. I thought I liked it. He probably has the best accent of all the British actors on this show. (laughs) (laughs) And now that could just be one line, but it really, really impressed me. He practiced the right one. I guess so, yeah. Yeah. That's the one to to do right. Um, but even just the way it was shot and the way he kind of looks and sort of half smiles at the camera and you know, you know, you're not getting the whole story there, but yep. he uh, he did a really, really fantastic job. While this is uh, happening, it's intercut with shots of everybody else exploring the interior of the prison. I noticed they had riot gear on, which was cool. So yep. they obviously found the supply the armory. Riot, the riot gear room. The riot gear room. Yep. Every prison would have one, I guess and they spend an awful lot of time it looks like fighting walkers in the dark
1: that sounds scary which
0: sounds extremely scary and it really looked very chaotic Mm -hmm. Uh, I will be surprised if any of our main characters are killed during that attack or that prison clear out whatever you want to call it probably not but it certainly looks like the potential is there for somebody to go down well yeah so Um, and that's most of the trailer right there am I missing anything? Um,
1: I can't think of anything.
0: I have a bunch of other notes here, but that's sort of all, all, that's sort of the, the run of it, I think.
1: They do break into what looks like a cafeteria near the end in the prison, like they bust through some doors. Okay. And they bust into what looks like a cafeteria. Yeah. And if anything, if that holds up to be similar to the graphic novels, Mm -hmm. uh, we will meet some new characters at that point. We will meet some new characters. They're sitting
0: in there having lunch. They are. (laughs) I guess if you're going to barricade yourself in somewhere, cafeteria is not
1: too bad. And then poop in the freezer. (laughs) Because I believe that's what they did. Really? Yeah. Because they could close the door, right? And And it would freeze. Well, it wouldn't freeze because there's no electricity. Oh, right. There's no electricity. But at least you could close the door and it's not like you're just pooping in a corner kind of thing.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's right. You can can get away from people. That's right.
1: You close (laughs) the door and at least the smell's on the other side of that door. And if you really got to go... You gotta brave it, but until then, the doors closed. Then again, most cafeterias would
0: have attached washrooms, would
1: they not? In Maybe prison? not in a prison. Maybe not in a prison. Yeah, in a food court. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah,
0: <laughs> this is not a food court. This though. is not a food court. Well, uh, here's my other note. So the first thing I noted: people around uh, in Woodbury were kind of walking around looking very carefree. Woodbury looked like a very safe place. It did. I said they're they're sort of milling about. One guy was reading a book. There's a kid with a ball, and it looks like relatively normal life is happening there. Yep, which I thought was interesting. I also noticed solar panels. I did. I noticed that too, lining the streets. That's yep. a genius. It's a very good idea. It totally makes sense. You're going to need power, and what better way, especially in that part of the country? Yep, you know, lots of bright sun, and it looks like they're driving at least a few different military vehicles. Yep, so they I saw have. A they have some supplies. Yep. They've got some vehicles. Um, at one point, not in Woodbury, Lori says to Rick, you're not a killer, and I know that. And I figure they must be talking about the whole Shane situation. Right. Yep. So what I liked about that is they're not going to kind of just let that go for too long. We're going to maybe not get resolution, but at least it's a topic of discussion like it would be in real life. Right. If this was real life. <laughs> if. If. Right. Uh, I mentioned earlier, Lori has a baby bump, so some time has passed, and, uh, I, you know, I'm not 100% sure about that, but it sure looked like it from this distance shot we saw, so we, uh, we're, you know, moving along the pregnancy here, which is good. Is <clears throat> good, yeah. Maggie says to Glenn at one point, all we do is run, and I figure she's either feeling safe at the prison and is happy that they no longer have to run, or she's starting to lose hope of ever finding somewhere safe because something has gone wrong. Right. Either way, that line could sort of lead to one or the other, I think. Um, Andrea appears to tell the governor about the rest of their group, and when she's doing that, Michonne shoots her a very worried look, as if to say, you shouldn't be telling him this. Don't tell him stuff. Yeah. Just for now, pretend we're all by ourselves and there's nobody else. So it's interesting to think that, you know, if these two groups come together, which they do, as we see in the trailer... Mm -hmm. it's because Andrea sort of trusts this guy a little bit more
1: than, than she should, maybe. Maybe. Well, we don't know that. Uh, well, she doesn't know that. Right. Like, she just probably trusts him. Hey, this looks like a good place to live. We should try and find the rest of my group and we can all live here. Everybody seems happy here. Why That'd wouldn't we want to live here? Um, so what
0: happens? The, the governor says, we're going out there and we're taking back what's ours. I assume he's talking about the prison. So maybe they have gotten a lot of their supplies from this prison and decided to fortify Woodbury instead of live in the prison.
1: Or maybe the uh, the helicopter, if the helicopter came from Woodbury, because mm-hmm. they have military gear, right? Yeah. So maybe they're going out to claim the uh, the supplies in the helicopter or, or the people from the helicopter or whatnot.
0: Well, I think, I think the people have already all come back because they would have come back when they captured Michonne and Andrea, but supplies maybe. The thing is, though, we do see scenes of some kind of confrontation at the prison between rick and it looks like t-dog daryl and maggie coming up the rear there Mm -hmm. uh, a confrontation with the governor and rick says we're not giving up this prison we took it we spilled blood that's true so i think they go to the prison for whatever reason the governor thinks it's his nobody can live there and rick is like no way buddy we're staying here this is ours now yeah now that said if i'm not mistaken. I don't think we see Rick and the governor standing there in the same shot talking to each other. So nope. this could have been clever editing. Oh, probably. Uh, but you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna guess for now that uh, that that's what's happening. Governor walks up to the prison gate and says, um, "Excuse me, you got to leave." Right. <laughs> and they're not too happy about that. And Rick's line about we spilt blood. Do you think that means somebody died? Or somebody got injured bad. I notice yeah. Herschel, Herschel isn't in that scene, neither is Glenn. Now, I don't think Glenn is going to get hurt too bad no. anytime soon, but Herschel's not in that scene, and Herschel was one of the characters that they almost killed in season
1: one. Maybe that's they true. just delayed that a little bit. Yeah, that's a good line, because that, uh, that opens up all kinds of possibilities. It does. We spilt blood. Maybe he's lying.
0: Maybe he just means they spilt a lot of zombie blood. I don't know. Yeah. Or there were living people in there that they killed. I mean, it could mean a lot of yeah, it things. Could, yeah. It could. We'll find out. <laughs> yes, we will. Uh, let's see. We see Carl and Carol using guns, finally. Carl's Ooh. shooting, uh, pointing guns at a lot of things. Carol's <laughs> actually shooting them. And she's in a crow's nest, which is interesting, too. It is interesting. Never shot a gun before in her life, yet suddenly she can pick people
1: off from way up high. <laughs> Hopefully. (laughs) Yeah, hopefully. She doesn't just end up... You can put anybody in a crow's nest. What they can do up there is an entirely different matter. Uh,
0: Maybe she's just staying safe. Yeah. And feeling better because she's pointing a gun at stuff on the ground. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know. But it's nice to see her involved. It is. It really is. That's all I'm saying. Um, Rick also has the line, if we see you out here anywhere near our people, I'll kill you. Yep. Come on. He's got to be talking to philip blake here you would think
1: you'd think so, so. but it, he could be saying it to anybody or well, anything yeah he could be talking to the zombies on the other side of the fence the, a, a bear comes up to the door and if i see you out there yeah because you can frighten off bears by talking to them mean really oh yeah try it <laughs> no not, not grizzly bears just no. black bears and brown bears grizzly bears aren't afraid of anything no grizzly bears will uh will you know chew on your head just for like a lollipop yeah, that doesn't sound pleasant. It really, really <laughs> wouldn't be. Yeah. So we
0: finish with Merle. He's got a knife strapped onto his stump. Yep. Which we saw in. Uh, well, we talked about this a few episodes ago. Yep.
1: Thinking that it may or may not be a weapon attachment stump. Yeah, he looks like he's got a knife attachment for it, <clears> and uh, he may have a ch- may or may not have a chainsaw attachment. And I believe we talked about a butterfly net. <laughs> in case yeah. he wanted to capture butterflies sure if he wanted to take a break from the killing and capture some butterflies that's right
0: <laughs> why not really uh so he gets up there and he's holding a gun in one hand he's got his knife stump in the other hand and his whole he's all just kind of dirty and bloody and yep. i got the feeling he just stood up from a fight probably a fight that he just won well with, well yeah uh, with somebody yeah yeah
1: and he's very cuddly at that point, too, because he wants a hug.
0: Yeah, he says, how about a hug for your old friend Merle? So he knows this person. Yep. That he's just beaten up or think killed. I think he beat up uh,
1: T-Dog? I think that's likely. <clears throat> he be. wouldn't be saying his old friend to his brother, Daryl. No, he wouldn't. And he doesn't really know anybody else in the group. Not? Maybe, uh, maybe Andrea. Kind, and,
0: he, well, he, and he knows Rick only because Rick was there on the roof when they left him, right? Right. And he had that confrontation with Rick, too. Right. Uh, But yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, T-Dog is the one that makes sense. Now, is that too obvious? I mean, I guess they have to deal with this scenario at some point. But Kirkman has said at one point or another, you know, if it's obvious, we're not going to
1: do it. If the whole internet has predicted this, chances are we're not doing it. Well, that just could be a a lost leader, right? It could just be, you know, talking out the side of his face,
0: Mm -hmm. trying to put people off. But he said that about—remember the rumor that Merle was going to be the governor? Right. That's what he was referring to. He's like, everyone thinks that's what it's going to be, so that's not what it's going to be. And it's not. But I guess you're right. He could just be spreading misinformation, which Mm -hmm. they tend to do. Uh, All right. So briefly here, to summarize— one more time. Okay. Rick and Daryl find the prison while they're out scouting, and they have to convince everyone to go there. They fight the walkers to clear it out and move in. Meanwhile, Andrea and Michonne see the helicopter crash, which leads them to Woodbury, against their will. Right. Andrea tells the governor about the rest of the group. The governor goes back to the prison to take back what's ours. Confrontation with Rick and a battle possibly ensues. Amongst all this, Merle is back doing something. Awesome. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so that's my summary of the trailer right there.
1: And the guy with the red pants doesn't do anything.
0: No, but he show he's in the scene when they, they go back to conf, confront everyone at the prison. That's right. He's like the backup guy.
1: Yeah. With something <laughs> in his pocket that I haven't quite figured out yet.
0: We'll figure it out when the show's on, I imagine. Pack of smokes, <clears throat> Game Boy, could be anything. Yes, it could be anything. So
1: here's my question for you, Jason. Uh, all right, fire do, away.
0: Do you feel like this trailer has already revealed too much?
1: Yes, There's a lot of information there. There's a lot of spoilers. Uh, I think it kind of set the tone for the plot for at least the first eight episodes of uh, of the third season. Yeah, I would tend to agree. I
0: mean, if you just watch this once through, you might not pick up on all the story points that it gives away. But I've watched it a number of times, broken it down, made all these notes, and I feel like I have a pretty good idea of how the first, you know four or six to eight episodes are going to go. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the, you know, the enjoyment will come from seeing the details
1: of each episode, but I kind of know what's going to happen, I feel like. Absolutely. I and don't know why trailers uh, tend to do this in the last 10 years. They tend to give away major plot points. For for movies, mostly. For but, movies, mostly, yeah. But, uh, you know, this stuff, a lot of times I'll be watching a trailer, you know, usually with my wife, and we're watching a trailer, It's just like, we're interested in the movie, so we stop it right? Yeah. like, okay, you got us after, you know, 30 seconds of a two-minute trailer, and you're giving away too many plot points, so we'll just jump out of it and say, okay, screw it.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, I I don't think that's as much of a problem in TV shows, because TV show trailers are typically 30-second commercials, or even 15-second commercials. Yeah. This was four minutes. This was like two movie trailers for, granted, a full season, or at least a half a season of a show. Yeah. But- Boy, was there a lot of information given here and it, um, I, I'm not really upset about it,
1: but I just feel like it is maybe they're showing their hand a little too much. They could have cut this down to 30 seconds, you know, and just finished off with, uh, you know, welcome to Woodbury, you know, that line, and then just, you know, panning out into Woodbury and I think that would have been awesome.
0: Well, they could have, they could have, yeah, I mean, 30 seconds would, after seeing this sounds like it would be really short, but they probably could have done something just as effective in half a minute. Right. Instead they went for four oh nine or whatever it is. So yeah, I I'm a little surprised. I'm I wonder how much more we'll get over the next couple of months until October. I don't know. A four minute trailer seems long. A four minute like if they showed a scene, that's something else. Well that's totally different. Right. Because it's a it's it's just one scene that you don't know any context
1: about. You may get one, maybe two plot points, mm-hmm. you know, possibly, but I don't know how they would do that. How, what kind of scene has two two plot points in it? But, uh, you know, having a trailer that's four minutes long, it seems excessive to me. Yeah, it, it seemed a
0: little bit to me too. Now, you know, I'm not, it certainly excited me, like it worked, because I think this season from what you can, from what we've seen, looks way more intense, action-packed you know, really, really, really awesome compared to the second season. Yeah. But still, I, uh, you know, I could probably skip a couple episodes when season three starts and really not have missed anything. <laughs> well, why don't we
1: go ahead and do that then? <laughs> sure, why not? We'll just skip the first four or five and jump right in after that.
0: We'll just recap them from what we already know. That's correct. What we can guess. Yeah. Infer. Uh, so, anyways, cool trailer. I, I imagine they'll show more at New York Comic Con in October. Uh, although that's only a day before it premieres, when I was there last year, it was the same deal. We saw a scene on the Saturday, and it premiered the Sunday night. Right. So, did
1: did the scene come true?
0: The scene came true. Yeah, <clears throat> it was the highway scene when the herd comes through the highway right, in the right, first right. episode of season two. Uh, we saw that full full scene at Comic Con. So, uh, I or we will be down there, and we'll we'll see what they do then. Uh, if you have any comments or thoughts on this long trailer that they played at Comic-Con, send them in to us, because I'd be interested in knowing what some of our listeners think about this, and whether it was too much, or if it did its job and just got you pumped up for the third season. Right, right, right. Uh, All righty. The next item we're going to move on to is The Walking Dead Escape. Oh, now, this is right, that right. obstacle course thing that uh, they were doing in Petco Park as part of Comic-Con. The obstacle course. Obstacle.
1: Is that what I said? No that your foot that was my foot I sorry it back. don't, write, don't, don't <laughs> worry don't uh, worry obstacle that's from uh oh brother where art thou all right righty. says they're gonna encounter many obstacles
0: well there's some obstacles here it has happened now um jason and karen from the walking dead cast ran it i haven't got a report from them yet but i imagine if you listen to their podcast they will talk all about it Um, but I did watch a complete video run through of the thing that some guy shot while he was doing it. Right. It's a half an hour long. Wow. And it's start to finish of him running through the obstacle course. So when we talked about it, I don't know, last month sometime. Yep. We both sort of thought it didn't sound like a great idea. Right. And it sounded a bit dangerous and, uh, you know, (laughs) open to, uh, liability. Of people getting hurt (laughs) or eaten or- falling off of stuff or whatever. Yep. Turns out, it actually looked really, really fun. Did it? And it looked just fine. Just, you know, not really dangerous at all, but fun. So here's what I wrote down from watching this, uh, this guy's run through. It was mostly man-made obstacles that you had to climb, crawl, or kind of dodge your way through. Right. So the route you take was... Uh, defined by steel barriers right and occasionally there was a zombie or two inside the barriers but a lot of them were sort of outside the barriers kind of reaching across to get at you right so there wasn't too much risk of you know getting your shirt ripped off by a zombie that got a little a little uh, (laughs) excited or something like that you didn't see any zombies with knives didn't see any knives. Didn't see any weapons. No, nothing like that. It was done pretty well, though. They had all the like the TV screens that are just part of the the baseball stadium. Right. They had like fake news reports of zombie attack running on these screens, so it, it added to the thing a little bit. There, I think, added cool. to the authenticity of it. At a couple of points during the run, there were uh, like water stations with washrooms, so you could
1: rehydrate and go right. to the bathroom if good, you good, needed good, to. Good, good. Very good. Um, you don't want to have to, you know, weather the zombie apocalypse and be uncomfortable. No,
0: no, not at all. Of course not. Uh, this guy that was shooting the video was kind of fun, too, because he played it off like it was a real thing. So he was he turned the camera on himself when there was a quiet moment or whatever, because right. there was a lot of just walking through. There were zombies around, but it was kind of, you're just getting from one obstacle to the next kind of and so he'd turn the camera on himself and be like you know we're seeing the news reports it looks like all of san diego is uh is falling to these zombies and we're trying to get out of the park here to the safe zone we hear there's something safe at the end and you know he did a a a reasonable job awesome um one section that did look um genuinely difficult yeah and kind of scary was a really narrow part that you had to crawl through. So it was, you know, just a few feet off the ground. Right. It was narrow. There were zombies on both sides kind of reaching in and you had to crawl through this thing and try to avoid them, right. which was, it, it looked, you know, it maybe it was just because the camera was sort of shaky because the guy was crawling and <laughs> there was another sort of fat guy in front of him that he couldn't get around and it was kind of tense because he couldn't go as fast as he wanted, but right. it looked fun and a little bit freaky. Huh. So um, I thought they managed to achieve a balance between sort of a safe and controlled game, but also something that was a, a wild experience. Right.
1: It doesn't look like... Like, I'm, I'm looking at the video right now, and I'm kind of jumping around. I'm not watching it end-to-end, because end that'd, that'd be half an hour, Right. you said. But uh, it looks like there's some, you know, obstacles to <clears throat> crawl around or... Uh, go under or over or try and escape or you could, you know, you could play it up if you wanted or you could just wander around and look at it like it's a museum. Oh, look, a bunch of uh, fake dead bodies on the ground there. Yeah, a little bit of
0: that, except there were parts. I mean, your your goal is to avoid getting touched by a zombie, right? Right. So there were parts that you definitely had to pay attention, run a little bit and stuff like that. Right. You know, so it, it, it you couldn't just stroll through and everything would be fine. Um, you definitely had to play along a little bit, but I think I think it looks fun and
1: you know I would I would do it. It doesn't look nearly as dangerous as I thought I would. and it looks like the zombies are behaving too because there's a couple of areas where uh, the zombies kind of uh, you know she's trying to reach out for the people and they have to kind of skirt by her, but she's staying within her designated area not going out and they probably were instructed you know don't actually catch anybody. Or, you know, when you
0: do, it's more of like a tap on the back kind of thing, and that's it. But,
1: you know, I was
0: envisioning something, probably, you know, a little bit... This was a little bit silly on my part, but I was envisioning something where there would be less people around, like less organizers of the event around, and you'd be going through this thing kind of on your own, and there would be the zombie characters just managing themselves. But clearly, they were... Instructed to behave a certain way and right. stay within zones and things like that. Like they so. had
1: shock collars on.
0: Yeah. Behave! You get out of behave. your area, we're gonna <laughs> shock your neck. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, anyways, it looked pretty fun. I'm curious to see what uh, Jason and Karen over on the Deadcast thought about it. So, absolutely I'm looking forward to their podcast if it's not out already. Um, so that's the Walking Dead escape. If you did it and you want to let us know, send us an email: talkingdeadpodcast at gmail We'd love to hear what your thoughts on it. And if I ever get a chance to do something like this, I think I might.
1: I think I would too.
0: A guy at work sent me an email um, about a similar event here in a town north of Toronto, where oh. we live. But and it's but it's more of a marathon that involves zombies. So way more running. Right. And your idea is to finish the marathon. It's not a full marathon. It's more of a short course, but it's still, the idea is to run the whole thing and try to stay away from the zombies. So definitely sounds like something I don't want to do. Yeah. Too much running. (laughs) Any running (laughs) is a little too much running. Exactly. So I won't be doing that. But if The Walking Dead Escape ever comes to Toronto or if they do it in New York, maybe I'll think about it. Mm Hmm. That would be fun doing oh. it, do it in an urban setting. New York would be great. Although San Diego's urban, but it's a, I guess they'd have to do it in Yankee Stadium or something like that. That would be fun. That would be fun. I'd do it. All right. Finally, in the news this week, there is some more information on the Walking Dead first person shooter that we talked about last episode. Right. This <coughs> comes from joystick.com, J-O-Y-S-T-I-Q. Now, Alex Gonzalez from Terminal Reality, which is the developer on the game, said this, In the game, you'll need to carefully sneak into and out of some dangerous situations, and you may meet a few walkers along the way. If you show up with guns blazing, you'll quickly find yourself dealing with a much larger crowd, and you could easily become overwhelmed. Right. So the game will be about stealth and sneakiness, not just shooting them in the face the whole time.
1: That actually sounds good. I
0: like that idea. Well, here, wait till you hear this. I'm waiting. Walkers will also track humans by their scent. The longer a player stands still, the larger his scent radius becomes, eventually traveling outside of buildings and down streets to lure in masses of the undead. Oh, cool. So you got to be sneaky and
1: stealthy, but you got to keep moving. Yeah. Or your scent radius. Manage your your smell sphere, your your stink sphere, (laughs) how far your stink lines go. Your stink lines.
0: (laughs) Exactly. Uh, Just like real life. We've been sitting here for, you know, 40 minutes now recording this almost. So our stink radius must be extending upstairs by now. Yeah,
1: by now. (laughs) I think we've been here long enough that uh, for each other, though, uh, you know how you get used to a smell. Right. So I think we're good. Yeah,
0: I, I think so. I don't know what that says about us, but let's move on. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> We're going to take a quick break to thank one of our sponsors, but when we come back, we are going to talk all about The Walking Dead comic issue number 100. I think there's lots to talk about there. there so stay tuned for that. We'll be right back after this. When everything is turned to black, you don't know where to go. You need something to justify yourself.
1: silence is a broken confidence is gone with
0: everything you're holding on to false. for you the listeners of the talking dead audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service as always, we like to recommend a book for our listeners. And Jason, that is your department. So what do we have this week?
1: You know, I must go through a lot of books because every week I, uh, I recommend the book that I'm listening to right now.
0: And it's always different. Well, do you do you listen to multiples at a time, or no. do you finish
1: one and move on to the next? I finish one and move on to the next. I okay. must really listen to a lot. I guess you have a lot of time to listen to books, but that's great. It is good. I really enjoy it. I love it. I've listened to hundreds of books over the last few years, and uh, the one I'm going to recommend now is the one I just downloaded, a continuation in the Destroyer Men series. It's Firestorm, Destroyer Men, book six Destroyer men. That sounds like Doctor Who. It kind of is uh, a uh, a four-stagger destroyer at the tail end of World War II, who's in, in the Pacific fighting the uh, the Japanese. The Amer- American destroyer. Uh, they get caught in a storm that actually uh, is some kind of weird uh, time and space storm that uh, takes this destroyer into an alternate reality where uh, human beings did not evolve. The uh, sentient there's two sentient species on this particular planet, also Earth. Uh, one has descended from lemurs, called Lemurians, and another one has descended from uh, lizards, known as the Grik. Cool. So, not Lizardarians or not something. Not Lizardarians. So uh, the Destroyer men actually team up with Lemurians and fight the Grik. So there's a world war going on, but it's uh, it's still on Earth, but a different Earth with different species. Interesting concept. Yeah. So this is book six called Firestorm by Taylor Anderson, uh, read narrated by William Dufries comes in 18 hours, two minutes. Very cool. Firestorm. Yes. Awesome. Well,
0: you're listening to a podcast right now. It is not a big jump to head over to Audible and grab an audiobook for your commute or when you're doing the dishes or when you're gardening or whatever else you might do. That's when I listen. All those things, I bet. Well, not really gardening, but cutting the lawn, I listen. See? Cutting the lawn, raking your leaves, blowing your snow, shoveling your snow, whatever. When you do, when you when you just otherwise would be sitting there bored, you can listen to an audiobook. Mm-hmm. And to download a free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com/talkingdead. Once again, that is dead for your free audiobook. And we are back. So now it is time to talk a little bit about The Walking Dead 100. 100. Number 100. Can you believe that this comic has been going on for, I think, nine years now? It's been a while. Issue number 100. Let's start with a comment we got on our Facebook page from listener Adam. And he wrote... The Walking Dead number 100 equals huge bummer. (laughs) (laughs) And I responded to ask him if that means if he didn't like it or if he did like it but was bummed out by it. Yeah, it's kind of ambiguous. And he wrote back and he said, both, kind of. It just seemed really sadistic and cruel. Before we read this,
1: I'm going to put a spoiler warning. Oh yeah, big, huge... <laughs> well, we're going to talk about issue 100, and if you're not caught up, like I wasn't this morning, right? Uh, then uh, be warned, because yes. we're going to talk about it.
0: Yes, I should, uh, I should say, before anything, definitely spoiler warning, we are going to talk about the details of issue number 100, so if you haven't read it, please stop the podcast, press pause, go get caught up, come right back, and then listen to uh, what we have to say here, so... Um, All right, sorry, Adam, to cut you off, but he said, It seemed kind of sadistic and cruel. The baseball game, in quotes, seemed kind of redundant. We get another crazy governor type who does something horrible, and Rick vows revenge. After a while, it loses all poignancy. For all the hype, it's just more of the same, only for a different specific character. Right. So before we really, really get into
1: that... What do you think about that comment
0: there? How was your, what was your general feelings about number 100?
1: My general feelings was, uh, I, I, you know, let me start off by saying that uh, as of, when I woke up this morning, I was, I had read and completely finished uh, issue number 90. So I had had a lot to catch up on today. And so luckily I found the time to actually do that. Mm -hmm. So they all kind of blur together, uh, but issue 100 I thought uh, I actually kind of I kind of liked it, you know. We uh, that guy showed up. Uh, what's his name? Nickelodeon, <laughs> the evil Nickelodeon. <laughs> was- uh, Negan or Negan? Negan, Yeah, or- so he shows up, right? And uh, so that that's very interesting that he shows up with like a whole bunch of people. Um, so I thought that was that was really interesting because we ha- they haven't encountered a group that big before, right? Especially no. a marauding group that big.
0: No, that's for sure. And they built up a little bit towards this character. We'd heard about him mm-hmm. um, from another group of, of survivors they've found, but we hadn't met him yet, and we didn't really know what his deal was. Right. Now we do. Now we do. So, so you liked it. So you liked the issue. I did. That's good. My thoughts are that I liked it too, but I kind of can see what Adam is saying here. That in some ways... It's a little bit more of the same.
1: Well, it is. I mean, they killed a main character. Yes. Right? And uh, I kind of knew that was going to happen. I didn't predict it would be the one it was, though. No, I didn't know who it was going to be, because everybody's on the uh, on the chopping block, essentially. Nobody's safe. We know that from years gone by. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I knew that it could have been anybody. It probably wasn't going to be Rick, and it probably yep. wasn't going to be um, uh, Carl. Carl, thank you, Shane. He's, he's long dead. Yeah. Uh, but other than that, it could have been anybody.
0: I, I suppose it could have been, but it wouldn't have surprised me too much if Kirkman took number one hundred here and used this as an opportunity to kill off Rick. But I think I was talking with you and Dave before that. I read somewhere that somebody predicted this would happen, right? And gave a bunch of reasons for it, and I thought it was a pretty interesting prediction uh, that I definitely could have seen happening. Now it didn't happen. Rick is still alive. Carl's still alive. And the person that got murdered is Glenn. Right. <clears throat> uh, poor Glenn, who's been in since issue number two or maybe three. I can't remember now. But he's he's made it to almost every one of them. Yeah. Right. And in number 100, he is sort of unceremoniously has his head beaten off. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know. I mean, I... I, I, as much as I liked the issue, it kind of bothered me a little bit too because it felt like just such a a, a powerless and humiliating way for him to be killed off after all this time. Well, it, well, two things. One, it could have been worse. They could have killed Heath. And who would have cared? Who cares about Heath? Well, it's it's right. I mean, you could have care, killed a character that we didn't care about. Two issues earlier, when Abraham was killed, that was pretty rough. It was, but I didn't feel nearly the attachment to him that I did, even though he's been around for a while. That was a great death, though. Shot he got through the, the eye. He got the
1: bolt through the eye, and he just kept talking. He just kept talking, blah, 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 until he fell over For dead. a minute
0: until he fell over, yeah. <laughs> that was awesome. It was great. But people were generally upset about that, but it, it, it also kind of, you know, people realized that, okay, they killed Abraham now in 98 or whatever it was. Yeah. And so whatever's going to happen in 100 is going to be even bigger than that. is like pretty. <clears throat> it's a pretty big deal. It's a huge deal. But I think it might be just a huge deal for the sake of being a huge deal.
1: And you don't think killing off Rick would have been that?
0: <sighs> yeah, I, I don't know. Maybe I would have felt the same way. But it would have been something truly unexpected to have that happen. And, you know i i just don't think number 100
1: quite lived up to the hype that that we had going into this issue i disagree i think that uh anybody was on the chopping block and i don't think that they flinched back from killing a main character they killed a main beloved character you know yeah they they did but
0: <clears throat> i maybe it's the the way it it all played out that that got to me a little bit just to have a very talky issue where it was just one dude talking at a bunch of other people pretty much and then he eeny meeny miny mowed a guy out of a lineup and cracked his
1: head in. Yeah but he I I think that uh, they built up to that uh, successfully right he gave a reason for why he couldn't kill each individual person it's like you know I can't I can't pick because anybody i pick is going to you know just there's reasons why i can't pick you there's reasons i can't pick you and you and you so i got to eat a in my mo this sucker don't you think that was a
0: little on the nose though with him sort of giving those reasons like he even said straight out to carl your story's not over yet like yeah. <laughs> like this is this is the voice of the author coming through a little too much i thought
1: that was uh, that was a bit of author intrusion yeah that one uh... <laughs> but i think he's playing to the audience there too like it's not just him coming out and blatantly saying something i think it's uh you know there's been a lot of talk about this whole thing being carl's story Mm -hmm. and then rick is just kind of like the the father figure for carl's story right and what he what carl feels he needs to live up to so that's kind of uh, it was i think it was done sort of like as a a nod to the audience a tongue-in-cheek kind of thing i did i didn't fault him for that i thought that was that was very interesting uh, well, it's. I just
0: don't think it needed to be spelled out for us like that, right? He he gave reasons not to kill everybody, but then he still chose one to kill.
1: Well, he eeny any mighty mode so that it uh, wouldn't come back to him as a choice that he made. I didn't make a choice. I just any meeny mighty mode, and I think that was part of uh, part of this uh, Nickelodeon guy's character too. Negan, N E G A N, Negan or Nagan. I'm gonna go with Nagan. It's part of his character too, in that you know. Look, i you killed a whole bunch of my guys, mm-hmm. and that really kind of sucks. You shouldn't have done that. I have to make an example of you. Mm-hmm. In order to do that, I have to beat the living crap out of somebody, right? And I can't beat you up because it'll make you a martyr. Mm-hmm. So I'm just going to pick somebody at random. I'm going to do this. I'm going to teach you guys a lesson. Everybody around me is going to know that I'm a tough son of a bitch and that uh, I can't let things slide. So I think it was it kind of was well within that guy's character, and I thought it was it was perfectly fine for him to do that and to get his point across that you can't kill my guys without punishment. well, speaking of his character, you know the
0: governor from days of old at this point has has always been called one of the greatest and probably most sadistic villains in comic book history, certainly right. in The Walking Dead. He's been the only like serious serious villain right. What do you th- how do you think the little we know about
1: Negan versus the governor? Do we think this guy is is even worse? No. I don't think this guy's even worse. I think the governor was a thinking villain. This guy's a doing villain. This guy's just uh, he's out he's doing things himself. The governor would have got somebody else to do it, I think. Or, you know, you know, playing with somebody is an entirely different thing, but punishing is something he would have probably outsourced to somebody else.
0: Right, but doesn't that make Negan even more dangerous because he he he's just in this for himself. He he seems to derive
1: joy from bashing Glenn's head in. No, I don't think that that makes him. Uh, it makes him a different kind of villain. But I think that entirely means that uh, Rick and group can completely outthink this guy because he's not a thinker. I think he's uh, he rules by fear and violence, mm-hmm. right? Uh, there, anybody worth, with any kind of brains is going to be able to find dissent in that group and turn it against him. That's true. No problem. Uh, you know, ruling by uh, you know the governor, uh, ruling by giving the people what they want, right? You know, in a twisted kind of weird kind of way, but it's a different kind of a different kind of villain. I think this is it's a definitely the uh, the other side of the coin, the same mm-hmm. coin, but I think it's a different kind of uh, different kind of villain for sure.
0: I guess, hence the governor's description as benevolent. He does give the people what they want, and they they follow him for that. Right. This guy is strictly fear and
1: power I guess right and so he has 50 guys like he he noted he had 50 guys with him yeah. right there's no where's the there's no women and children in his group I assume or they have some kind of enclave somewhere where there's a whole bunch of
0: other people yeah there are no there's more I think I think the 50 guys he had with him my feeling was that those were like the 50 sort of soldiers in his army right and the rest of the group is still back there's hundreds of them I think you think so that's my feeling.
1: I'm, I, I don't know. I got the, I got the impression from uh, previous issues that they were just kind of a marauding band. You no, know? they've got
0: a, they've got a safe zone or a safe house or whatever, because they're taking supplies from these other groups, right? They have arrangements with them to any, any other group that gathers supplies, 50% of that goes to Negan.
1: That's, that's food and weapons, right? That's I think not, so. You don't think that they're going to be taking 50% of the people's blenders? <laughs> in order to go back and you no. know grind coffee not a lot of people people don't need a lot of blenders but no. like gas
0: and and whatever yeah but that else. All,
1: that's all because they don't have any way of producing their own supplies
0: right but i still think they're living somewhere they're not they're not just moving around.
1: I don't know. I, I'm not sure that they have a—I'm not convinced that they have a compound somewhere with a whole bunch of women and children that they're trying to, uh, you know, f- feed and clothe and that kind of stuff. And rebuild but, society. I don't think he's interested in I that. I think they're just a marauding band of guys with weapons that have no way of supporting themselves, so they terrorize other people to get the supplies they need to, to live.
0: So that might make it easier for someone to infiltrate that and take somebody out. Absolutely. Which is, is going to happen. You just know that there will be some sort of revenge gotten here for this.
1: Right. And so there was the two guys on the roof having a conversation, uh, I think, in the, the issue before that, or it might have been two before. Mm-hmm. I think it was the issue before. They were talking about uh, what's-his-name's group got killed on the road, and which was the first group they ran across and uh, killed them all except for one. And uh, then there's the, the group that showed up at the— uh, At the compound, they said his group got killed. So I think that uh, it's kind of like a a military structure, right? They got the Nagan at the top, and then they have uh, uh, basically lieutenants managing their own little groups. So I think that they're all. I'm not entirely convinced that uh, that there's a compound someplace. I think they're all just kind of little marauding groups. And they went, oh, we got to get everybody together. So they got everybody together to go and uh, beat the crap out of Rick and. Kill Glenn and show some dominance. Show some dominance. Like show
0: everybody up. That's an interesting idea. It hadn't occurred to me that they weren't holed up somewhere and they were stockpiling stuff and and living happily there. But it could be. It could be that they're just sort of wandering around and gathering stuff where they need. But they needed to show some power with Rick because I think he killed two groups of their people.
1: That's right. right. Yeah. Yeah. He killed the first group on the road. Let one guy go and said, uh, "Yeah, I'm going to give you protection if you give me half your stuff." Right. right, and Didn't know. he say, tell your boss that we're not going to just roll over and take it? That's right. Yeah, okay. And uh, yeah, instead of us buying protection from you, you're going to buy protection from us. Right. right. That didn't
0: really work out so well. Well, no, but... <laughs> not yet, uh, anyway. Not yet. <laughs> um, Dave made an interesting comment to me when we were talking about this issue. He said he was feeling a little... Um, a little bit down on this whole whole thing and that it's suffering for the sake of suffering. And that's kind of all that seems to happen in this comic book. And he said, I think I'm reading The Walking Dead just for the sake of it at this point. Really? Yeah. And I can see where that feeling comes from because nothing ever good happens to this group. Nothing. And I'm not saying that I expect, you know, good things to happen to them, but we've gone a hundred issues you know, years in the comic book, yep. years of time. And no, nothing good ever happens. And maybe I shouldn't expect anything good to happen because we are in a zombie apocalypse here. But at a certain point, I just feel like, wouldn't it be great if these people could just live somewhere for a while and everyone's happy and somebody has a baby and everything's going well. And yeah, it's all flowers and, ra- flowers and rainbows for a little while. But I'm ready for that after having... After reading through 100 issues of complete suffering and just the, the worst conditions imaginable, I kind of—I feel like I wouldn't mind having a little break from it. Okay, well, that's uh, that's how you end the series, right? And that's another point I wanted to bring up. Don't you think that the
1: the zombie story that never ends needs an ending at some point? It does. I mean, yes, we've got another supervillain. It's a different uh, side of the same coin as the governor, Right? once that's done if uh, you know Rick and his band of merry men uh, kill this guy Nagan and all his group and uh, so the, uh, the the other group what's it called N- on the hill
0: yeah the hilltop people the where hill- uh, Glenn and Maggie and Sophia were gonna go live
1: That's right so he you know he kills all the this Nagan guy for that group of people and then they're like yeah okay fine great we're gonna bring you into the fold everything's happy everything's good we're, we've got a farm we can rebuild society uh we can build trade between our uh, different groups of people then at that point everything just goes <sighs> we have this larger society that is working and benevolent and everybody's happy and trading for the common good of everybody uh zombies are not really an issue anymore they you know rick even said that we've got this down you know yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> we've got this the zombie thing not a problem anymore we can handle that we can handle that yeah. so once they handle this that's probably a, a time to either, you know, somebody ta- drops an atomic bomb on the on the whole area or it kind of works out. I, I doubt Kirkman is working towards
0: that, but I almost wish he was. Right. You know, like the TV show has to end at some point because it's the nature of TV. It can't go on forever. No. A comic can a little bit more plan to go on indefinitely, right? Uh, but... It. I just feel like it. It. They need to start thinking about some sort of massive change that's going to completely reinvent this comic into something different, or wrap it all up. Right. And that's why you
1: were hoping Rick would die. It's kind of why I was hoping Rick would die. Rick would die, and Carl wakes up five years later or ten years later, and. Uh, yeah, that, and I, I
0: can't take credit for this theory because I did read it online somewhere. Right. Someone was theorizing on what would happen on issue number 100 before it came out. And they were looking at all the various covers, a couple of which have Rick as a zombie on the cover. Right. Or at least one does. Um, some unrelated zombies, Rick, you know, standing over a group of bodies and things like that. And this guy speculated that Rick was going to die. And. That, you know, that would be the second last page. And on the last page, we'd flash forward 10 years. Carl's in his early 20s and he's become a man and he's vowing revenge for his father or something along those lines. Or at the very least, the story continues from there with Carl in a very different world because it's 10
1: years later. Yeah, I, I uh, I think they're getting close to the zombie apocalypse being over because right? two things happened one uh, Rick said you know, we got this this is easy now we know how to deal with this this threat and two they saw a zombie that was like so uber decayed right they, they right and that uh, he must have been uh, wandering around for a very long time so that leads me to believe that all zombies are going to reach this state eventually so you know 10 years down the road all the zombies are going to be rotted and done they'll just be heaps of flesh on the ground at that point right and bones and so they're not even going to be a threat anymore the only threat is the fact that society is completely broken down and gone and we're back to a feudal system where if you have a keep and you have a clan you're probably okay as long as you can manage uh, your wars against your clan mates or your the other clans around you yeah right so that's going to be the uh, the structure of humanity well
0: I hope they they move towards something like that because it's 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 getting to me a little bit the the sameness of the comic that we've had for so long. Right. Even though we've come and gone, had lots of characters come and go, we've had storylines come and go, but in some ways it's all sort of the same for me and I think issue 100
1: kind of put that in perspective. We also have the family units, you know, making and breaking of family units. We have uh, Maggie and Glenn. Obviously, that family unit is pretty screwed at this point. Yeah. Uh, But we then again, we have uh, Andrea and Rick. Just starting out. Just starting out. So that, you know, one family unit comes together, another one falls apart kind of thing. And I think we've had that kind of theme running through everything as well. That's true. And that could,
0: uh, I mean, that can go on no matter what sort of the overall Story and feeling of the book is right? right, but I I just think we need something new. Uh, so if let's lich. see, huh? Lich, oh, we dinosaurs? need dinosaurs. <laughs> That's just a TV show, though, right? The lich is on the TV show, so are the dinosaurs, yeah, okay, because the lich
1: comes with the dinosaurs, <laughs> right? I forgot he's controlling the dinosaurs. <laughs> I heard a good theory about dinosaurs the other day, just if we could take an aside here, sure. Uh, dinosaurs were invented by the CIA to discourage time travel. <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, so all the fossilized bones and things they've That's dug right. up, planted by the CIA.
1: That, yeah, so people wouldn't invent time travel.
0: Because there's a risk of going back and getting eaten by a
1: dinosaur? Yeah. Well, do you want to go back uh, five million years if you're no longer the top of the food chain? I wouldn't. Do, does, <laughs> does this theory um,
0: uh, think time travel has already been invented and they're trying to keep it secret?
1: Uh, no, if time travel was invented... Uh, we would know. We would know, because... Time travel, it's sort of like, uh, yeah, it's, once you invent time travel, it's not only invented in the, in the time that it's been invented and in the future, it's also invented in the past because right. where else are you going to go but the past, <laughs> exactly. right? You're going to go to the future? <laughs> they already got time travel. You don't need to go there. You go to the past. You didn't introduce time travel in the past. All of a sudden, you got time travel everywhere. Yes, and time is meaningless because
0: you really don't have to abide by its laws anymore. That's right. All right, well... If you have any thoughts on time travel or Walking Dead issue number 100, I highly recommend you send them in to us, 1-866-483-ZOMB or TalkingDeadPodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear what you guys thought of number 100 and if it was a great issue or if it signifies the need for something new in this comic book. Right. All righty. Well, we're going to do some quick listener feedback and then wrap this thing up. All right, Groovy.
1: Listener feedback.
0: Alrighty, Luke uh, on our Facebook page wrote in, and this is in reference to why T-Dog is looking down in that season three promo shot that we talked about last week. Right. T-Dog seemed to be looking at the ground, and I thought it looked a little too posed and staged, and I didn't know what he was doing.
1: You got new shoes.
0: (laughs) Yeah, you must have new shoes. Look at my shoes. Luke says this. From the looks of it, he isn't looking straight in front of him and down, rather splitting the difference between Maggie and Rick. It looks to me like he's trying to utilize his peripheral vision to cover a more wide area in the circle of defense he's in. If you eliminate forward focus, you tend to strengthen peripheral vision, which can detect movement really well. That's true. So if you kind of don't focus on something right in front of you, your peripherals open up and they can see movement quicker. So you could see a zombie (laughs) coming at you from the side.
1: That's true. It's all true, except for those uh, nasty little blind spots uh yeah you're, you're aware of the blind spots eh? They're right around uh they're, they're in there somewhere you right in your normal field of vision there's a bl- there's a couple of blind spots that you just cannot see you, you just can't see you can't make out any details in there but your brain completely fills it in right so you really have no idea but
0: they're there but if you do this finger thing like can you is there a point where you can no longer see your hand if you
1: move it around It'll be difficult. It's difficult to do because your brain fills it in, right? First of all, you're controlling your own damn finger, so you got a pretty good (laughs) idea of where it is at any given time. So your brain kind of goes, "Yeah, I know where that finger is," so I'm not going to bother showing you the. So it figures
0: out where it is. yeah.
1: Yeah. So if someone else was putting their finger around, it would be... There's tests you can do. You know, like you hold your eyes so many inches away from a piece of paper and Whoop. there's a little left and a right. Take them out. <laughs> take hold them, them out. Hold them on the back. around. Um, <laughs> there's a little like a left and a right that uh, the little L and the R, it disappears kind of thing. Like there's cool. tests you can do. There's blind spots. But you're absolutely right. If you don't focus on right what's right in front of you, you get your peripherals, you go into panoramic mode. And uh, your, yeah, your peripherals are very good at detecting motion. So T-Dog knew what he was doing? Yeah. Okay, makes sense to and me. And I've also heard that if 3% of your field of view moves in the same direction, your brain locks onto it. Anything less than 3%, your brain just goes uh, background noise. Like if you look at a field of wheat and it's all just you know blowing in the wind all at random directions, yep. you don't really notice any particular motion. But if 3% of that f- wheat moves in the same direction, your brain goes whoop. Something's happening over there. Yeah. Because we're hunters and this like, that means something's over there. Interesting. 3%. I thought that was
0: interesting. <sighs> Is that why you, I don't know, can't help but focus on a fly that buzzes past your head? If it's 3% of your field of vision, yeah. That might be more the, the buzzing sound. <laughs>
1: also the buzzing. Yeah. We got directional hearing as well. Yeah. That's true. Mostly. I mean, 180 degree directional hearing.
0: I was thinking about directional hearing on the way to work today, actually, really? because... Uh, I was walking down the street and it was loud. There were cars all around. And then a fire truck started its siren. And I instantly knew where that fire truck was, even amongst all the other noise. Right. And
1: I thought, lucky I have two ears. Stereo is awesome. And a brain. Yeah. And if uh, you had your eyes closed, you wouldn't be able to tell whether that fire truck was in front of you or behind you. But because you had your eyes open, you knew that you couldn't see it. So you assumed it was behind you. Except it could have been on
0: like behind a building in front of me. And and would I then have not have known if it was in front or behind? No,
1: you can't tell. Like, you have 180-degree directional hearing, because if you have your eyes closed, you can't tell if something's in front of you or behind you, because the the difference in the sound it takes to get to your left ear and your right ear is the same. Right. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. It'd be really (laughs) weird if we had a directional sense of smell.
0: (laughs) Stereo nostrils? We'd have to have two noses. (laughs) Two noses. (laughs) Beside each other, maybe one on the back, one on the front. That's right. All good stuff. (laughs) One on the top. I don't know. Uh, alrighty, This email comes from Andrew in Seattle. And I've had this one for a little while now, but I thought I'd break it out for this episode because it's an interesting question. Andrew says, I only recently started reading the comics and I'm not normally a comic book guy. The question I wanted to ask you, do you think that there will be a difference between Glenn Mazzara and Frank Darabont in regards to how closely they stick to the comic? It seems like some of the plot threads that have been emphasized since Mazzara had full control, like Shane being batshit crazy, other dangerous living survivors, are closer to the comic book in nature than some of what Darabont was doing. What do you think? Hmm. Now, we've talked about the difference differences between Darabont and Mazzara just in their approach right. to the show, but Andrew is specifically asking about in how they relate to the comic and take uh, you know, plot lines and characters from the comic. I think he's right. I think Mazara seems to go a little bit more comic than Darabont did. And the main thing, the main reason I think that is that um, Darabont's plan for the first episode of season two that never came to fruition, which right. involved that military action in, in Atlanta, and we were going to follow the soldier who was in the tank, That Rick was stuck in at the very first episode. And we weren't even going to see our characters very much in that episode, just in passing as they were, you know, being part of the evacuation or whatever was going on, which is vastly different than anything the comic would ever do because we just don't get those sorts of scenes and characters in the comic book. Mazzara was not interested in that at all. He wanted
1: to get right back to our storyline with our characters. Right. The only... I would counter that with uh, Sophia. You know, having her become a zombie and then be shot by Rick is vastly different than what happens in the comic. It's vastly different, but even that might have been laid out by Darabont,
0: because the first half of season two was still Frank, wasn't it? At least partially. And the second half was more Mazara. Right. So we don't have enough information then. Well, we don't really have in enough case. information, but... The feeling I have is that Mazar is a little bit more of a comic book follower, whereas Darabont was like, let's do whatever we want and make movie epic
1: stuff happen. Okay, so yeah, because now we're going right to the prison, which is very comic book. Yes, and And we're going right to Woodbury with the governor. We got Woodbury, we got the governor, we got the helicopter, we got the riot gear, we got the prison. All of that is comic book stuff. That's all comic book stuff. Granted, the helicopter
0: was introduced earlier in the show, or... Hinted at, anyways. Yeah, um, but right now it's all comic book. Whereas season one had its comic book stuff, but I think it was less comic
1: booky. Is there anything that happened? Uh, I guess the whole. Uh, I'm just wondering uh, from the the trailer we saw the four minute trailer, uh, how vastly what what was different from the comic in that trailer, and the uh, the big one is uh, Michonne and Andrea showing up in Woodbury before. Uh, you know, getting separated from the main group. That never happened in the comic.
0: That never happened in the comic. Obviously, Michonne's introduction is different because yep. in the comic, she just sort of walks up to the prison one day. I think so. And they take her in. Yeah. <clears throat> um, here, clearly, she's wandering around in the forest. is separated, and they are their own little pair for a while and then end up at Woodbury. So the introduction of Woodbury is different. Right. Um. But there's still a Woodbury, and there's still a helicopter, and there's still a governor. You know, we have all right. these things that are exactly the same as the
1: comic Well, somebody... How do, how do we introduce the governor governor in the comic book? Do you remember? Somebody leaves the prison, uh, travels, you know, finds the helicopter. They see the helicopter. Yep. And they go to check it out. Uh, I believe they see the helicopter. Does it crash in the comic? I think it does. I think... I'm not sure that I ever we ever see it flying. I think we see just a downed helicopter.
0: Maybe. Maybe but they we also they also they're going to like a box store for supplies. Right. And there's a road sign that's 1 mile to Woodbury. And I don't remember now why they follow yeah. it over to Woodbury, but it does involve a helicopter. Yep.
1: And they So that's not different. Yeah, it's it's ultimately not that different. It's really. a small subgroup that goes off, finds a helicopter, encounters Woodbury and then the governor
0: shows up at the prison. And then the governor comes back to the prison and makes a couple of attempts to Take it over and take it back, or attack it. Right. I think in the comic, though, strangely, the governor isn't aware of the prison. But when he gets there, he realizes it's somewhere uh, that they
1: could they could take over and safely live. Right. I'm not entirely convinced that he's aware of the prison in the in the trailer either. I mean, it, it's implied that he is, and that's where yeah. they're going to take it back for whatever reason. That's but true. Obviously, the prison is overrun by zombies. We, we need not take it back from a group of people that uh, that uh, cleaned out the prison after you left because you. We're afraid of the zombies? Well, that's true, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, maybe they're not living
0: there because they have Woodbury and the prison is just too much work. Right. And now these people cleared it out for them and he's like, ah, you know, I think I want that. I'm going to take back what's ours. Yeah. After I didn't want it. After I didn't, I'm taking my ball <laughs> and going home. Uh, anyways, but back, back to the point, I think, um, I think Andrew here has an interesting observation that Mazzara is way more a comic book guy than Darabont was.
1: I'm not entirely convinced I think the jury's still out.
0: The jury well, I guess it'll always be out until we're done this show, but yeah. from what we've seen, I I think we're going to be back, swinging back towards the comic a little as Kirkman's always said, you know, we're going to we're going to have plot lines that are right out of the comic where then we're going to swing away for a while and then maybe later we'll swing back in and get closer again and so on. I think we're in one of those inner swings right now. Right. That's all I'm saying. Okay. So there you go. Um, I'd like to remind everyone before we finish up that in soon, we're going to be doing our Walking Dead actor Spotlight on Scott Wilson. In very soon. Uh, Yeah, in soon. Maybe not next episode, which should be in two weeks from now, but the one after that. We have a bunch of stuff to watch. I don't know about you, but I haven't watched any of it yet. Been, been kind of busy. Is there a list? There's a list. I'm going to read it to you. In Cold Blood from 1967. Oh, uh yeah. famous movie that he was in. One of his earliest roles, but one he's also most well-known for. Cool. Behind the Mask, The Rise of Leslie Vernon. Oh, yeah, right. I remember the right? list now. Yeah, See, okay, we yeah. did talk about this. Yes,
1: we did. Two weeks ago. Yep. Or no, last no, week. No, no, last week. Last week. You're right. That's it's only the problem. Stuff I remember, you know, more than two weeks ago is fine. Last week's just a blur. Okay, but you should be good in the next few days for this then <laughs> to remember it you'd think. Put yeah, it on yeah, the okay. website. Yeah, I will. And then book, it, book a date for when we're going to talk about this because I'm a needs-to-be-done needs, needs to be done kind of guy, which is a double-edged sword. Okay. Because unless it needs to be done, I don't do it. Four weeks
0: from now, Okay. it will be our uh, Scott Wilson actor spotlight. Is that we after
1: will, the Olympics? We will do... Well, the Olympics start on the 25th. They start in 10 days. Yeah. Uh, I'm concerned about the podcast and having time to watch all these shows during the Summer Olympics. <sighs> okay, well, what do you want to do then? Should we I delay I this? I don't think we should talk about it on the air. I think it's not necessarily riveting podcasting to discuss whether or not we should do the actor spotlight right now or wait for the Olympics to be over. Okay, well, do you want me to finish the list? Yep, read the list. In Cold Blood, 1967,
0: Behind the Mask, The Rise of Leslie Vernon. He plays a character named Eugene. It's a movie from a few years ago. Uh, June Bug he plays a character named Eugene it's a movie from a few years ago nice. the ninth configuration from 1980 looks like a really weird film and season one episode 17 of the 1985 Twilight Zone series cool he's in that as well those are the things we're going to watch for our Scott Wilson actor spotlight the Olympics getting in the way never occurred to me <laughs> so let's just leave it up in the air for now alright <laughs> and we'll figure it out later um, but it couldn't hurt to start watching stuff
1: no I do yeah if we're gonna like if you' we were gonna do it next week that I could work with that
0: <laughs> I don't think I can watch five movies in a week I'm a
1: little worried, worried about that too
0: I got a lot of other TV to watch anyhow those are them um, and let's wrap this thing okay, up. okay wrap it up all right so send in all comments or questions to talking at gmail.com you can also call our toll-free. Voicemail line at 1 866 483 ZOMB. That is 1 866 483 9662. Find us on Twitter at Talking Dead or on Facebook at Facebook.com slash The Talking Dead. Great uh, activity over there. So go and uh, like the page and join the conversation. For The Talking Dead, my name is Chris. My name is Jason. Thanks for listening, everybody.
1: Bye.